0: Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Nalini Mehetta on with us, and she started teaching Ayurvedic cooking classes 18 years ago. She views food and the cooking process as a means to nurturing the soul, an experience for the mind, body, and soul. She is also the founder of Yoga Pops, which are amazing. Um, I've had the privilege of having them and having met Nalini in person. So welcome to the show today.
1: Thank you for having me, Andrea.
0: Yes, I'm so excited to chat with you. And I would love to share, because I know a little bit about um, your own background with Ayurveda and how it kind of came into your life. But I would love for you to share a little bit about your own journey there. Was this something that you were instantly in love with, or you slowly had kind of a love affair with getting into Ayurveda?
1: Very much so. Yeah, you know, um, food stories are always interesting. So my story is that I I think from the earliest years, I remember my crawling path was determined by the smells of food. So I know that I loved food all my life, but it was definitely as a rebel that I was towards the not healthy food altogether. I did not want to have, because my parents were super healthy, and I was definitely not looking to be like them. So (laughs) I would go out after... Any time I could go and get some street food, I would do that. Despite my mom's trying very hard to rein me in, I would do exactly the opposite. And I think, you know, I always wanted to have a restaurant and I wanted to have a boutique. Fashion and food were like an obsession for me all my life. And I think more um, in the years of my adult, early adulthood, my first... Uh, shock was when I lost my dad um, at a very early age. I was 21 or 22, and he was perfectly healthy, had a super regimented lifestyle. Um, Just passed away one day from a heart attack, and I was like, that's just not right. You know, I was angry. I was really angry that there is somebody who has maintained that health profile like one should, you know, and I said, this is obviously not working. I'm not going to do it. This is my whole point. Eat well, enjoy life. That's the way one should live. And so I ate everything because remember, I was an adult now, so I could do what I wanted. So I traveled the world. I ate what I wanted to. um, I put on a lot of weight. I did not care because I was, I was angry. I was truly angry. And I think... um I, I moved myself from my culture so strongly, and I moved to Australia. I was working in fashion, and life seemed really good. Um, my mother was at that point five years from that period, uh, living in India in in our hometown, and at just suddenly, just like that, she was diagnosed with cancer. Mm that shifted something i'm like this 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 is just not because we were all in different continents now my sisters and i and you know mother was living in india and so i moved back from australia to india thinking that i need to be with her and really figure this out why you know you question your life makes you question yourself so much and that why didn't have an answer and then i you know was living in this small town where i hadn't grown up i had no friends and this lady who is recovering from chemotherapy at that point is all chirpy and, and happy and she's an artist. So she is now, you know, painting like there's no tomorrow. Like she almost took cancer as a gift, as in she has limited time. She's going to live it up. Mm. And she took to Ayurveda and that's how my journey began. I was just amazed at her just walking the talk. There was, she was a very practical person. No not much talk period. You know, just paint, have cook, uh stitch, she used to stitch all our clothes, and she just passed away, you know, after six years of that journey. But in that period of I was so inspired by her following Ayurveda at that point. That's how I was introduced to it, and just seeing the way she lived her life with so much quality and so much. Um, happiness and joy, that it was clear to me that you can be a rebel and you can do things that make you feel not so good at the end of the day, or you know that, okay, life is limited. It's kind of true for all of our lives, but we don't recognize it. And you live it so fully. And so that shifted and started my own journey with Ayurveda. I was, of course, a foodie. So I started really taking to the food aspect of food, of Ayurveda, and that's how I began in Ayurveda. I moved back to uh, New York after she passed away. I had moved um, a few years while she was in remission, but then, um, you know, living in New York, uh, I had this great opportunity to work with Ayurveda at the first culinary uh, alternative school called the Natural Gourmet. It is an amazing school that. Has all these vegan chefs coming out that make the best, uh, really cutting edge vegetarian, vegan foods. Um, So, yeah, I started teaching Ayurveda there uh, without just, you know, serendipitously. They didn't have their Ayurveda uh, teacher and they needed someone to fill in. I went to learn and they wanted a teacher. So I started teaching.
0: Wow. Wow. And you still teach Ayurvedic cooking classes to this day. That
1: is really my happy space. Yeah. I love cooking. I love eating and I just enjoy the fun that comes through the kitchen.
0: Mm, I love that. If people are listening, cause I have not had, um, I don't think I've had any Ayurvedic cooking lessons or tips even on the show. So I would love for you to kind of, if people are kind of new to that way of lifestyle, maybe it seems daunting. They're like, what does that mean? Like cooking in an Ayurvedic way? Can you kind of break down what are some of maybe the backbones or principles of cooking in an Ayurvedic way?
1: Sure. I think, you know, it's almost like learning a new
0: language.
1: Ayurveda is such a beautiful language. It it actually has just five alphabets. If you understand the elements in nature and use them as your alphabets, you can string these alphabets together to make beautiful sentences. So it's it seems really complex uh, and sometimes woo woo but it's actually such a pure science that if you understand the uh, understand how these elements work together in terms of seasonality in terms of your own makeup your unique makeup and how you connect with nature I, and and your relationships in your life you know whether it's your work whether it's your uh, partner or, or family It just is a lifestyle. And then, so cooking is very much a methodology that it uses to balance out the the imbalances in any of these spheres, whether it's the season, whether it's relationships. There's always a tipping point. And Ayurveda just gives you these unbelievable simple tools to go back into balance. So it's, I always say to, to people who don't pronounce it, even to say Ayurveda seems so hard. But if you think of if you get yoga, then this is the yoga of food. And how you feel that balance on the mat, you feel, you use food as that balancing factor for your inner balance. And so the principles of Ay- Ayurveda in food, I would say, is, is similar to if you take all the, these different ways of looking at who you are, what season it is, and um, how are you cooking that food. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, there's so many
0: things I can. I let you ask me the question. So many nuances to it. Yes. Well, I want to go into um, a little bit about the six different tastes. And so that might be an area to kind of tap into next, just because I know that taste is something that you, I think I read it in one of your, on your website too, about that. So if people are, you know, going into that. And so for myself, my husband, when he first met me, for my taste, I was a very bland, like I came from like the fitness and the gym atmosphere, which back when I started, you know, when I was in my young twenties, it was bland chicken breast that you would put in a plastic bag, broccoli that you have steamed, that is now cold in a plastic bag. And then a handful of nuts. And that was like the gym. That's what all the trainers ate. And so that's kind of what I was you know, living on. And my husband was like, when he first met me, him and his friend were like, Right. There, did you put any seasoning on this food? And I'm like, what do you mean seasoning? I don't understand. <laughs> so like that was my background, and I really learned how to kind of season food from him. And then Ayurveda with the six tastes, and I'm like, wow, there's just a whole nother world out there. So there could be people listening who are also from same boat as me of just very bland food. How can we kind of get into those tastes? And in you know maybe we hate one of them. And how do you kind of go about still maybe? I'm working through this with my son. Like, let's try these vegetables that you might not like because we need to get used to that bitter taste, for example.
1: Exactly. I, I love the way you said it, actually. It's, it's you know, a couple of things. One, I grew up with taste, And even if they're bland, I grew up in a... in Spicing it up is all about what India is. We we, we <laughs> masalify as we call it, everything. <laughs> but if you... You know, I know from your background, you grew up on a farm. It -hmm. doesn't even matter whether you spice anything or not. If the ingredient is of good quality, it has flavor in itself. So there is that basic goodness of ingredient that comes from your backyard or from the energy of the food. That's number one. And Mm. then just season or spice it. So taste is so special because, you know, in, in Ayurveda, taste is called rasa. But rasa actually means juice in, 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 in the basic language of India. It means rasa is any juice. It could be pomegranate juice. It could be orange juice. Any juice. But juice is such a, again, there's so many metaphors to it. So the juice of your life is emotions, right? The juice of your, your um, body is your blood. And so it calls all of these, they call rasas and every, uh, taste is called rasayana, which means in Sanskrit, which means a different taste. So again, I'm, it may sound again, but you think about taste. It is so profound. It's not just the taste on your tongue, but how it, how you respond to taste in general. So why do you like it sweet and I like mm-hmm. it savory and why do we have such strong likes and distra- likes around taste? Because taste balances us individually. It's, mm. you know, if you are a, naturally a sweet person, then you need to eat foods that are bitter, by which I don't mean others are not sweet. But there's this, you know, when I say you're a sweet person, that means that's why the whole basic understanding of the elements is so crucial. When somebody is referred to as sweet, they have the elements of earth, and therefore the elements of st- structure, solidity, nourishment. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Maybe oh yeah. It's that. So when we ref, we don't say, "Oh hi, you're so you're so sour," or you're so. <laughs> you do say you're so hot. You see the taste. You do refer to something. Oh my god calm down, cool down. <laughs> take, take that anger down and not sure. Or... That sweetness is that quality of groundedness of, uh, of nourishment. And so if you are of that, if that really is a dominant piece of who you are, if you really just naturally gravitate towards saving everybody else before you save yourself, that means you're a Kaffa personality, you need to balance that with some bitterness. Taste, and that bitterness taste means that you have more greens, or you have more pungent taste. Which and these are the dip, six tastes that that you mentioned first. So, bitter taste, um, pungent taste, those are good for sweet people. But people who are air like me, who like creativity, who are driven by just hate to be boxed in that air personality needs to be grounded because it's so airy-fairy, needs grounding. So we need more sweet food. Mm. So, you know, it is, and now I'm saying this very randomly, there is such a clear structure to this. There are just five elements and just the permutations of these five elements into um, the bitter taste or the sweet taste. So each of these five elements are a, very significant part of each day so for example we use the word spicy very randomly spicy is not a taste spicy could be sweet it could be hot so if you look at hot spices what happens when you have hot food you go, you blow air and you try and cajole the heat in your mouth but actually it doesn't get reduced from doing that but the elements there as you notice your even simple movement. It is heat and there is air. And so fire and air are those two elements that we are referring to in the taste of what we call pungent or spice or heat. Whereas cinnamon is not a, a, not a hot spice, so that is more sweet and earthy. And now I'll take it even more, another level of seasonality. Why do we use that spice in winter more? Because the season in itself, you know, if you think of all the leaves have fallen, it's it's the air element is high, you know, it's it's not grounded. So you use the spices to ground yourself with sweetness. Yes. It's literally like poetry, but there is such clear science to it, but it is intuitive if you're in tune with it. I, like yeah.
0: I love it. I mean, I, and this is, I would say probably most listeners have a pretty basic to intermediate understanding of what Ayurveda is. So I'm sure they're probably they're following you and understanding those tastes and how they're connecting to the doshas. You know, that would be something that I think most of the people listening might be like, oh, okay, I'm I'm seeing those and connecting the dots. So if you're thinking, like, let's go into, like, that pitta and that that's hot, spicy, you know, those foods. So I have some, I, I tend to have a lot of pittas that follow and listen to me. And so if there may be that hot, spicy food and they love that, why would that maybe tip them out of balance a little bit more? Can you dive into that or why... Sometimes we're attracted to those things, but they might further get us out of balance. Can you tap into that with the spices? Absolutely.
1: Well, first of all, it's not, it's, you know, America. We have to recognize where do we live geographically. It's a, chronology of, of a person is really, or person, place, and thing is really important. Yeah. So the chronology of America is, it's like a, it's not as old as India or Spain. It's a younger uh, country and so geographically where we are chronology wise we are a teenager or, mm. or a, just a young adult so that is the time of being pitta mm-hmm. and so most of us living in America will have a tendency to be pitta
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so that's it's it's natural we shouldn't say oh my god I'm so pitta so I, I have we, we are living in a place which wants us to be perfectionist Wants us to work hard. Wants us, you know, all the things that we associate with fire. We're a fiery lot because we we're achievers, yeah. but it comes with the downside of feeling burnt out, feeling aggravated, feeling angry, feeling um, just a sense of uh, perfection in many ways that can drive us dry and and burnt. But to answer your question about how do we take? Uh, that craving of wanting spice when we are already spicy, or hot when we are already hot, it's it takes a practice. It, it it's a you know it's maturity. Everything is a practice. Ayurveda or yoga is a practice. Mm. It's not oh I, I'm going to do ayurveda one or I'm going to read a book and I'll I'll follow ayurveda. No, it doesn't work that way. Ayurveda is a practice to become in tune with everything that we are talking about whether it's who am I and where do I live? What is my surrounding? What are the relationships I have? All of that makes up who we are. So getting to understand um, your nature in relationship to, to where you live is really important. And so once you get in tune with yourself, whether it's through the lifestyle you live, whether it's the food you eat, Everything is part of, of that. I think biggest problem with us pittas, and I'm not so pita, I'm more vata, which is the air personality. So I'm vata pita. pitta is my secondary dosha. Is that we are always feeling guilty about what we do. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay if you have spice. It's, it's what you want that day. So we all have natural tendencies or cravings but soon when you become, it's almost like playing a game and you know that if you roll the dice, you'll either go up or you're going to go down. It's happening anyway and it's okay as long as you know what the rules of the game are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that you don't feel guilty. I think it's more about that. It's about we as perfectionists as Pittas tend to be, will tend to beat themselves, oh my God, I shouldn't be eating this. It's not about, so I'm almost saying what I'm not supposed to tell you is that Pitta should, because what happens is you go to an Ayurvedic doctor or you go to somebody who's a practitioner and they'll tell you oh don't have tomatoes it's not good for you or don't have spice it's bad for Pitta yes that is true that's just the rules of the game now you play the game and have fun mm. you know so again to your point earlier about you know sh- um as you even teach your kids what to eat or not to eat, just become more aware that, okay, you're going to see how you feel. Are you making friends with that spice and or is it just not working well for you? You know, mm. you make friendships like that. You, you first have to introduce yourself and then you have to see if you can build a relationship with that. Sometimes these relationships are lifelong and sometimes they are one and two, goodbye.
0: Mm. I love that. That is great advice. And the, I mean, and just having that in the stages of life, because sometimes, you know, I've had people who are like, I could do that great in my twenties and thirties and the now forties. Nope. It's a no-go for me now. I can't digest it. Or like, it's causing me to have heartburn and this came out of nowhere. So I love yeah, that you, sure. you know, it it's not always a lifelong like set, like this is, this is it. And I also love that you said that about, you know, here, if I'm a pit, I should never have X, Y, Z. Cause that's, usually not realistic for most people. And what do people do? If you say you can never have this, yeah. that's all they want. That's all you think about is consuming to you, which then defeats the whole purpose of Ayurveda. So I think that's wonderful advice as well. And you just kind of have to know like what works for you and for this day. And like, if you still have your menstrual cycle, like I even say breaking it down to the cycle. Cause sometimes some phases in your cycle, you're like, Hey, I'm constipated. I can't be having these dry foods right before I bleed. Cause I'm really constipated. Whatever that looks like.
1: Yeah, and I think the same is true even for, let's say, our obsession with, oh my God, we have to have only organic food. It's okay. Mm. You're going to be feeling, if you're going to feel guilty about, the, about having something or not having something or must have something, that, so it, Ayurveda is so about how you're feeling in the mind. And it doesn't matter what the ingredient or what the, perfect situation is, but if it's not going to work for you, if you're going to feel challenged or guilty or pushed or just not in sync with what you're doing, yeah, Yeah. at a a basic level, I think what Ayurveda is, or all of yoga and Ayurveda is that we are just a vibration. And if that vibration is is feeling chaotic or not in sync, nothing will work.
0: Well, I want to kind of make sure we tap into the the yoga pops, because that is something that I know, you know, when we were talking, when we met, you know, in person and how you were kind of reluctant to kind of put it out there and, you know, a dried food versus going into the cooking class and having it fresh. So can you kind of share a little bit about, you know, that whole process So if someone's listening? They're like, wow, how do you get something from a product that in your kitchen you created and now people were demanding it? And then how do I get this out into the world?
1: Yeah, you know, I I still, it's, you know, life is, again, such a journey, such a game. Um, I always loved to cook, and that was my passion. So, and over a period of time, I think it also took a level where, you know, food is spiritual. You know, in every culture, food is offered to the divine. Food is such a language of love. And how can I... Um, you know, I saw part of Ayurveda is don't cook when you're angry. And I would say this in my classes, if the days you're angry, go out and eat. Because that's probably the day, you know, you don't know what how the chef is feeling anyway, so eat up. That's the day you want to eat if you're angry, you tired, tired, you do that. And then I realized, you know, I used to live in San Francisco and I'd go through those alleyways where all the chefs or all the cooks are sitting outside the kitchen folks the only place they get to sit is in the alleyways and smoke on on garbage bins and it was just so wrong i just felt so oh my god this these are the folks who are cooking for us and this this is the only respite or place of relaxation they have Mm -hmm. and how can that food serve us well so this became a driving force for me is how can we bring the happiness of chefs front and center while we care about organic and, and grass-fed and we don't care about how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. So I, I've got a James Beard grant program where uh, as women chefs to see, if we, I wanted to start a restaurant. I didn't want to start a restaurant unless I can fix the kitchen culture. And so we started doing Ayurveda pop-up dinners to highlight that we have to care about the, the happiness of our chefs and the people who are cooking for us. Because if the energy in the kitchen is not right Ayurvedically, it's not going to serve you well. Think about it. The person who's putting it on your plate is feeling challenged by life. So that's when we were doing these dinners here in Minneapolis, Ayurveda pop-up dinners, and we continue to do them uh, every quarter or so. Uh, But yoga pops has taken up a lot of my time. (laughs) these dinners we were serving them as a bar snack mm. and people were like can we take this in a takeout container okay <laughs> and then my mentor from the james weird program was like why can't you package these?" Mm-hmm. and i was obsessed with "Oh, you any packaged food is bad food because it's packaged it's sitting on the shelf for so long but this is a water lily seed which has been used in Ayurveda as medicine, which has a year-long shelf life. And you don't need preservatives. And we were just, people were taking it out in containers. I don't know how long they kept it for, but clearly... Probably it- not long.
0: They're the very good.
1: <laughs> Thank you. That's right. And so, you know, we've just, I I took her advice at that point and said, okay, maybe we can package it. I can't see there's anything wrong in it. And it is such a you know, you can reach people through a pop-up dinner, or through cooking classes, or through—I uh, do online cooking classes as well. To to a certain extent, to, to an, But how many people cook? We all need time to snack. We all need something that's healthy, especially let's say you've done that yoga class, class or that gym session that you were talking about earlier, and you got something that was healthy versus okay, I'm so ha- hungry that I'm either going to get hangry and lose it or i'll get grab something from uh, a deli or even a gas station that's going to serve not serve me so well so this was just a vehicle to bring ayurveda to a bigger population that's what my end goal was and also to make sure that the, the basis of ayurveda which is that all the entire sourcing of that product right from the farmer to the person who's putting it on your plate has being done, So our mantra is mindfully munching, so that we care for, so part of our profits go towards the farmers, children for education, and also towards the wellness of chefs.
0: I love that. And if people want to purchase this, where can they kind of find the yoga pops?
1: So, you know, we created this 20 years ago. I was like, how do I take the wisdom of my culture back to where I live, which is America? The Route to India was that journey to take um, folks from here to there without actually having to leave Minnesota. (laughs) The website's called Route to India, and it has my cooking classes. It has our pop-up dinners. It has all these things that I truly believe in, which is meditation, yoga, uh, all the offerings that I have. And Yoga Pops is a big part. Mm, I love it. Love it. it. www.india.com.
0: Perfect. And I highly recommend I've had them and they are delicious. I'm going to order some more for myself during the postpartum phase. So, <laughs> well, I would love to know, um, where else can people connect with you on social media? Where do you like to hang out? Um, and where can people find you there?
1: I, I'm on all, well, not TikTok, but <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could do more, but it just does take up so much of our, our time. So I'm not so great as you are, Andrea, on, on social media, but I, my uh, handle is Ayurveda with Melanie, as well as yoga pops, yoga underscore pops.
0: Perfect. And I'll put both of those in the show notes if people want to connect with her and um, chat a little bit deeper. And I look forward to going to one of your cooking classes someday. That is definitely on my list to, sure. to come in. Um, I would love to know then finally one last question I always like to throw out a weekly challenge and then when I have a guest on I have you throw out the challenge to everyone so what would you like everyone to try this week
1: so it's the season of of winter here in Minnesota and for most part of America I would say start by a routine of um, soaking some almonds before sleeping and having them first thing in the morning since that's what I'm doing Love that almonds is just high energy and soap nuts versus um just nuts it has so much more uh, digestibility and availability of nutrition so soap nuts easy challenge to do
0: perfect but- and then do you have to take the skin off for all my pittas who are listening who are like how many should i take the skin off
1: all the skin off <laughs> it just peels off i mean that's the whole thing is that if you you soak it then what you're getting rid of is the outer shell or the skin which holds all the tannins and the undigestible uh, part of the nut so it's easy to peel off after you've soaked it overnight
0: perfect easy (laughs) now yes yes i love it well thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and it was such a delight to get to chat this with you today.
1: So fun! I feel like chat with you forever.
0: I know. I know. Well, thank you, everyone, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.